Hey y'all, welcome back. As we continue our journey through 1 Kings in chapter 20, we left off in chapter 19 where Elijah had given Elisha the cloak of being the next prophet and Elisha is going along with Elijah and is working as his assistant. In verse 1 of chapter 20, it goes on and says, About that time, King Ben-Hadon of Aram mobilized his army, supported by the chariots and horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel, and launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadon sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadon says, Your silver and gold are mine, and so are your wives and the best of your children. All right, my lord, the king, Israel's king replied, all that I have is yours. Soon Ben-Hadon's messengers returned again and said, this is what Ben-Hadon says. I have already demanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives, and children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your officials, and they will take everything that you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, Look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with his demand that I give him my wives and children and silver and gold. Don't give in to any more demands, all of the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers from Ben-Hadon, Say this to my lord the king, I will give you everything you ask for for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadon with that response. Then Ben-Hadon sent this message to Ahab. May the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains even dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadon and the other kings as they were drinking in the tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Hadon commanded his officers. So they prepared to attack the city. Then a certain prophet came to see King Ahab of Israel and told him, This is what the Lord says. Do you see all these enemy forces? Today I will hand them all over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, How will he do it? And the prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it. So we should attack first, Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders, and then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. About noontime, as Ben-Hanan and the 32 allied kings were still in their tents, drinking themselves into a stupor, the troops of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as the first contingent. As they approached, Ben-Hanan's scouts reported to him, Some troops are coming from Samaria. Take them alive, Ben-Hadon commanded, whether they have come for peace or for war. But Ahab's provincial commanders and the entire army had now come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Aramean opponent, and suddenly the entire Aramean army panicked and fled. The Israelites chased them, but King Ben-Hadon and a few of his charioteers escaped on horses. However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Aramaeans. Afterward, the prophet said to King Ahab, Get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now, for the king of Aram will come back next spring. 
After their defeat, Ben Hadden's officers said to him, The Israelite gods are gods of the hills, and that is why they won. But we can beat them easily on the plains. Only this time, replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another, another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots, and men, and we will fight against them on the plains. There is no doubt that we will beat them. So King Ben-Hadon did as they suggested. The following spring, he he called up to the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Aphek. Israel then mustered its army, set up supply lines, and marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two little flocks of goats in comparison to the vast Aramean forces that filled the countryside. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord says. The Aramean, the Aramean have said, The Lord is a God of the hills and not of the plains. So I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite each other for seven days, and on the seventh day the battle began. The Israelites killed a hundred thousand Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest fled into the town of Aphek, but the wall fell on them and killed another twenty-seven thousand. Ben Hadden fled into the town and hid in a secret room. Ben Hadden's officers said to him, Sir, we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful, so let's humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waists and putting ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Then perhaps he will let you live. So they put on burlap and ropes and they went to the king of Israel and begged. Your servant Ben Hadden says, Please let me live. The king of Israel responded, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and quickly picked up on his words. Yes, they said, your brother Ben-Hadon, go and get him, the king of Israel told them. And when Ben-Hadon arrived, Ahab invited him up into his chariot. Ben-Hadon told him, I will give back the towns my father took from your father, and you may establish places of trade in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will release you under these conditions. So they made a new treaty, and Ben-Hadon was set free. Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the group of prophets to say to the other man, Hit me, but the man refused to hit the prophet. Then the prophet told him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. And when he had gone, a lion did attack and kill him. Then the prophet turned to another man and said, Hit me! So he struck the prophet and wounded him. The prophet placed a bandage over his eye to disguise himself and then waited beside the road for the king. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Sir, I was in the thick of battle, and suddenly a man brought me a, pr brought me a prisoner. He said, Guard this man, for if any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of seventy-five pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Well, it's your own fault, the king replied. You have brought this judgment on yourself. Then the, pro the prophet quickly pulled the bandage from his eye, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, This is what the Lord says. Because you have spared the man, I said, must be destroyed. You must die in this place, and your people will die instead of his people. 
So the king of Israel went home to Samaria angry and sullen. So this is a pretty big war story in this chapter. And we can see that God's chosen people, God God works for his people, and God defeats our enemies. If we're obedient and listen to God and God's word alone, God will go before us and defeat our enemies, and he'll help us through all the battles. If we don't obey and listen to God's word, it doesn't work out quite so well. So it's always good to be obedient to God and his words and his instruction. In chapter 21, it continues on. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use it as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth responded, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. Kind of being a big pouty baby here, it looks like. In verse 5, it continues, What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you not the king of Israel, Jezebel demanded? Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and the other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letters, she commanded, call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor. And then see two scoundrels across from him who will accept, who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and the other town leaders followed the instruction Jezebel had written in the letters. They called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat down across from him. And they accused Naboth before all the people, saying, He cursed God and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyards of Naboth to claim it. But the Lord said to Elijah, Go down to meet the king Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria, he will be at, the, at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where, you, where they licked the blood of Naboth. So my enemy, you have found me, Ahab, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered, I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, son of Ahijah. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. 
The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage is worshipping idols, just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. So when we humble ourselves before God and and submit to God and his amazing glory, he does have mercy. Um, Ahab was very evil and doing a lot of very evil things. And he was getting punishment for those things. And when God told him this, he 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 knows how powerful God is clearly and he immediately was humbled and and grieving because of this curse that he's brought on to his own life by his disobedience and worshiping of false idols and um, God shows him a little bit of mercy he's like hey okay we're gonna just pause on this um and it's just it's just good to always remember to trust God. We can trust God. He's good. He's merciful. He goes up before us, ahead of us, and defeats our enemies for us. And we can have faith and trust in God's almighty power, mercy, and grace in every single thing we face in life. So that concludes chapters 20 and 21. And we will continue and see how First King ends in chapter 22 tomorrow. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.